0: Welcome to the second edition of Poppies from the Tray. Good to have you with us. This lengthy episode is the first of a two-part feature with Greg Sporton, songwriter, bassist, 12-string guitarist and cornerstone of the mighty Big Big Train. We got together to discuss an older album of theirs, The Underfall Yard, and the accompanying EP, Far Skies, Deep Time. I started out by asking Greg if those two pieces were always meant to go together. Probably not, actually.
1: Um, uh, Fast Skies is a companion piece, uh, unquestionably, Um, but the songs originated in a different way uh, for the most part. Under 4 Yard, for the most part, was a a brand new set of songs written Mm. from scratch. Um, Fast Skies consisted of one song that should have been on the Under 4 Yard, which is Fat Billy, Thor's song. And another number of pieces that had been uh, unfinished over the years, really. Um, so, that the origins of much of the album are predate The Under Four Yard. Um, but, having said that, and I, I was very keen at the time, because, because it was older material for the most part, I didn't want it to be seen as the next album after The Undefined Yard, because um, we were already working on English Electric, and I, so I thought we'll, we'll sneak it out so as yeah. an EP, albeit yeah. a very long one, um, which kind of, I think, slightly. Reduce the expectations of it. They probably did it some favors mm. in many respects, but I think they work, They do work quite mm. well together.
0: I, mean, I went back to the to the difference machine as well before <coughs> to to, yeah. to listen to that to, to see. Yeah, the, the again the, the kind of. Thought. I mean, it's a very different kind of animal. That it, very jazzier, jazzier kind of thing in some senses, I suppose.
1: It's not very, as immediate. Is it's it? our most out there piece of work, mm. um, and that it's uh, an interesting point really because most albums I've found over the years emerge from the sort of ending of the previous album. Mm. Um, so in practical terms you not I mean we always we're always writing and therefore quite often you'll find towards the end of an album you'll have some songs that are already beginning to be you know get yeah. to a stage where they're sort of half formed and they will go on to the next album. but also you know you're, you're, you're kind of learning from that, that album and, and therefore you'll ta- carry forward some ideas into the next one. And that's interesting, because I think Difference Machine difference sort of stands out a little bit um, as a different piece of work. And I think, if you'd have asked me, you know, when we just released the Difference Machine, what the next album would have sounded like, I think we would have been, it would have been a progression from that. So mm-hmm. we were beginning to explore slightly more Van de kind of territory, I would say, if you want to relate to sort of yeah, progressive yeah. bands. But what happened was, we we got sidetracked on a re-release, re-release of English Boy Wonders. Yes. And we spent an awful lot of time re-recording lots of that and re-working through the songs. I actually really liked that album. And yeah. it was, um, you know, I kind of, I sort of re-learned some, some stuff from it about things that I used to like writing about. And, and, and it kind of it kind of reinforced what I was... Or sort of changed direction slightly going forward, I think. Yeah. So I think without that sidetrack, I think we'd have gone he- he slightly into more heavier... Territory, mm. but I think we allowed us it brought, brought back in slightly more. Um, we've always had a slightly poppy element to our music in terms of um, good melodies, mm. uh, and in terms of liking sort of the the, the higher end pop bands like XTC, Beatles, etc. And I think it brought that yeah. back yeah. in a little bit as well. Yeah. yeah. So, Wonderful Yard became a different beast because of because of that gap and because of that sort of slight left turn into English pop and think. And
0: it became looking at it from the outside, I wish that's a completely different view, but it almost seemed as though you became a band with The Under Yard where yeah. before it was a, a collection of people working yeah, together yeah it was, yeah, it
1: was. Um, that's exactly right and we'd, we'd we'd almost rejected the concept of a band mm-hmm. um, during the sort of mid 90s really and it became become more or less myself and Andy and we mm-hmm. were prepared to work with you know whoever yeah. we felt would achieve what we needed to achieve with regards to our music because not, not, neither myself nor Andy are I really great musicians you know it's more about the writing for us and in different between certainly we were experimenting with lots of different players really um, and then by by accident under four Yard, we just gathered around us the core mm-hmm. of, a, of a new approach yeah. and the band was almost reborn for I sound, sorry that sounds awfully pretentious but it, it did um, it was like a rebirth for me yeah. then um, you know because we've got people that a we really like as human beings yeah. and b they're very talented. Yeah. and they, they take the music to areas that we want to. And obviously, we finished that off with English Electric bringing Danny in and yeah. self, Rachel, etc. We've now got what we uh, a proper band. Yeah, you know, yeah, which has been quite interesting for us.
0: Um, I, I suppose the big change was obviously David coming in. Um, yeah. But a singer is always a. <coughs> singer, singer is sing. the, yeah. Turning people outside.
1: Yeah, it is. I think you you know you David's voice is exceptionally good. Um, and he t- he takes us into areas of where I think more people are prepared to give give us a listen than otherwise would do so mm. because his voice is a thing for me it's a thing of beauty and mm. and therefore I think it will allow people to listen to something like kind of East Coast race so they invest time in it when maybe they wouldn't be interested in progressive music but because there's something there that they think actually that's something that I mm. want to listen to and with some of the more harder edge singers etc mm. the more sort of progressive rock kind of vocalist uh, style I think it can be harder mm. to break through into yeah. sort of that broader, broader I suppose
0: it's, it's a <clears throat> very crude analogy but I suppose it's the Phil Collins it's probably yeah. terrible to Phil Collins kind of thing it probably sense. it
1: possibly is um, I mean Peter was a great soul singer though ironically mm. so I'm not sure I completely buy that because yeah. I think actually if you go back and listen to the early uh, Genesis stuff some, some of it's really weird and mm. Peter was a bit yeah. odd um, in a good way um, but also at his best he was very soulful yeah. and um, you know he was, uh, if you talk to him about his influences I understand there a lot of his 60s sort yeah. of soul music yeah. um, and I think that's where they scored highly and they had a vocalist that had a soulful voice yeah. and that's where I see David's voice yeah. as well yeah. you know you can then convey emotion through your music um, in a way that other singers perhaps can't,
0: mm-hmm. do. can't do what were the, the, the kind of the aims as you started the whole writing process. For this, cause I mean, it's a, it's a monumental undertaking when, when you look at the, the sweep of Jim Full Yard, don't yeah. mm. right, yeah. uh, it?
1: it I, I don't. At that time, I don't recall having any great master plan. Uh, any album project begins to f- f- achieve a form during the, gen- generally during the writing, because even if you start off with a plan. You get sidetracked into other yeah. areas. *Each mm-hmm. um, Electric* I think was probably more of a planned album, but but honestly, I don't remember it being, um, you know, any master plan. Uh, I think we just I just was writing some songs. Um, I think I found a couple of different ways of working. With some of the story songs that started to come out, which really worked for me as a writer. Um, there's also a couple of songs with sort of personal take in there as well. Wow. But there was no, you know, I, I didn't set out, I promise you I'd set out to do nothing at all. Uh, it was just like, you know, here's the songs I've got, um, and let's work them together. And later on, as the album starts to coalesce, you then start to do stuff to kind of make it um, a whole album. So, for example, Evening Star was the last thing that, mm. that was written, and that was very much kind of like, let's bring some of the themes here together, as yeah. we it before, as the bands too. Um, and then that I think adds to the, the whole feel of it as an album rather than just a collection of songs yeah but there was sadly there was no master no. plan no
0: I mean it's interesting you said that was, that was written last I mean I think that's one of the great things I like about Progressive music. It's such an, <coughs> an ambitious thing yeah. to do to open with kind of an instrumental but yeah, no, it, it's it, a good way of introducing his voice as well
1: well that was the, uh, that was the plan I mean we, we, we the voice and, and that was Andy's idea actually because I, I, I originally wanted it to open just with that sort of electric piano line yeah um, which is a low key start to an album I, I admit um, but Andy said let's, let's get the voice let's get the voice there first and foremost um, so we used um, uh, a section that later was to appear in the Under Four Yards um, a uh, sort of big backing vocal mm. section and it's almost like a um, I don't know it's like a a big wall of vocals to start off with yeah. but you're immediately into the, the, the new It's a very small kind of sound It is, actually I've listened to it you for your first time in many years last week mm. um, and I, was re- I particularly liked Evening Star yeah. so it's it mixed really well and um, it works it, it's a nice introduction and you know, it's got quite a big open sound to it mm. as well so uh, it sets the, the store it's, nice it's kind of enough. an overture isn't it? It, it? is, so yeah, there. it is, yeah
0: Oh, yeah. so, you say words like overture uh, again I, I, remember, I remember in the 70s you weren't allowed to say that
1: no no homes. that's the great thing with <laughs> the crop though isn't it now I mean I think on the new if I, uh, the new transatlantic album I think they're, they're even call. Uh, I, yeah, they the okay. yeah, the I think the start of each new song as long as it's called, called like overture it or, something. or something and who cares um, you know yeah. we're all now at a stage where I think you can enjoy almost the ridiculousness of some of this yeah. and not worry about it yeah. I, you know, I'm not, no longer is there a need for us to hide out uh, yeah. you know Sort of uh, ways of working under a under yeah. I mean, dark room, we oh, yeah. can just, you know, wear our hearts and I mean, it
0: used to be such a, a big device because I'm hoping to talk to Jeff Davis the next month. I was thinking oh, about great. when you yes, yeah, the first time around, and I mean, that was like the end of the world. It was, yeah, it I mean, was. Somebody from the Buggles, people know, took it very badly. Yeah, and you know, it I remember, barely, um, yeah.
1: I think, in, in parts of. Um, of mm. the world, it was okay, but particularly in England, yeah. there was a lot of... I remember
0: seeing them in the audio, Birmingham.
1: Okay, yeah, there's a lot of barricades, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can yeah. imagine, and, uh, you know, we were, I mean, those were interesting days, were they not, because, yeah. you know, we'd, we'd come in. I mean, Steve Hackett was an interesting one, because I saw a lot of him in the late 70s at Birmingham, yeah. 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 Um, and then he suddenly went into Cured, and was yeah. writing much more commercial yeah. material with a stripped-down sort of band, and it was, you know, we were all kind of running away from what we were best at, yeah. I think. And that's the other th- thing that's been interesting recently. Has been the the way that the old school and the new newer bands have been able to kind of come mm. together. Now there's no the divide's kind of gone. Yeah. Um, I was watching um, a TV program the other day, and um, the guy. I mean, there, there, there was a conversation about it was Danny Baker. It's uh, the sort of seventies music It was a catch up yeah. thing. I watched yeah. and. Uh, about halfway through he sort of said oh, we the elephant in the room is prog you know I'm going to talk about it now yeah. and the sort of three other people he had around him were not, you know, not progressive prog fans but mm-hmm. interestingly as the conversation developed they all basically came out and said actually was all right, right, yeah it's all right <laughs> yeah actually I really like James i really right yes actually I really like that album and the more they talked about it the more they'd, they'd be the, you know the, the classic sort of prog fans and I think that's been the you know one of the benefits of magazines like Prog Magazine, Classic Rock Society etc they've really yeah brought it out and you know it's now something that we can just enjoy and get on with yeah. and not worry about it, yeah. it's good. I mean, Master James, obviously the first song
0: yeah. I mean it's it's very powerful, But I love the fact that
1: it's only five lines long, yes. every time the
0: vocal comes in it's so different you think it's a
1: reverse. Yeah. a Bit of a challenge really though. <laughs> I, um I'd forgotten it was only five lines yeah. on. We're doing that one at Real World, actually. Yeah. We all really like Master James. Nick Nick said, you know, Nick, if think he wants to do that one. Because it's quite a vocal challenge, and yeah. it's quite a drumming challenge as well. Um, and, yeah, yeah. So I'd forgotten it was only five lines on. I was surprised. I sort of thought, where's the rest of the lyrics when I was do that? But that's David's genius, you know. Yeah. I don't think we understood when we recruited David and when he joined the band. You know, I assumed we were bringing him in as a singer, but in fact, he would bring in also as a writer and mm. an arranger, and his vocal arrangement ideas are just brilliant. Mm. And, you know, so he was able to, rather than you know, I, I wondered if he'd come back and say we need to write some more lyrics here because there's not enough. Yeah. But rather than that, he took that as a challenge of you know, because looking back at it, it's kind of all I wanted to say to be yeah. honest, and I could have whirled on a bit more, but it's kind of all I wanted to say. But he took that as a challenge to kind of make it an interesting mm. arrangement uh, so that the listener doesn't feel cheated. Yeah feel there's not enough there
0: then listening to, to Jordan Brick quick after that I mean it must be a, must be a nice moment when you get that, that nice little um, guitar if that motif that the that, that guys say I, mean, that, that must, you do, I guess you're just messing around on the guitar and, and something
1: pops out or? things yeah things are written in different ways um, quite often I write in my head so I'll hear stuff and then I'll have to get it down on a on my iPhone or something and I'll mm. go home and yeah. Um, <coughs> put it down on keyboards or the guitars there are a few things in there I mean the the sort of chorus the acoustic guitar I do remember writing that uh, and singing it and I remember doing it and the kids were there at the time and I, as I wrote it and sang it it came up very quickly and I said I remember saying to the kids oh, this, is, this is I like this this is going to mm. work and um, they were singing it a bit as well and I thought okay we've got a decent um, something decent here so yeah it's a various different mm. ways forward and you know think there are some accidents that happen yeah. you know it's a it's a creative process with a number of different routes yeah. into a final final song. Yeah. And I guess it's Dave Gregory doing that solo over is it at the end? Uh, he's, he is now, because again we're doing that right, right in the real world, but actually the original thing was me, yeah. I think. Um, it was just a, it was a, that was a last, very yeah. last thing almost. Um, it was. We need something to add to the drama here. Yeah. I literally picked up a guitar and it's almost played yeah. straight off without really thinking about it, and that's often the best way, to be honest. And Andy sort of looked at me and said, ah, "That sounds alright <laughs> um, and then it seems to work. Um, and interestingly, Dave played just played around with some different ideas for for the end section um, but we, we came back to that original part because it just seemed to, simple as it is, it seems to add that mm. degree of, you know, another layer of sort of magic, I suppose, yeah, that, um, yeah. that just moves it to, to that level where yeah. you know, it becomes. Well,
0: it's a great example of what <coughs> progressive music is. I mean, the dynamics of it yeah, I mean you know, Phil Collins always just says, "Supper's ready, loud bit and a quiet bit and the loud." Yeah, I mean that the soft little music that does that. So much music is yeah. just long, it's one either loud or quiet or whatever yeah. it is, yeah. it just works so well. I, I I never understand why more people don't
1: do it. I nor me. Now you can hear it. It's interesting if you go and listen to um, early Genesis, particularly um, the dynamic range is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And you know if you go and see. You know, the musical box or, or a and you hear them do something like a Musical box, like and yeah. some of it is—you could hear a pin drop in the room—and then you get this roar. And um, later on, in the song, and, and it, as you say, same with dancing. There's so many examples, yes. um, and it, I, I, it's a no-brainer for me. Yeah. You can explore um, the range in every respect um, through music, and I don't—I don't understand why it's not yeah. exploited more.
0: I suppose it's a bit of a Genesis-style frenzy at the end of Victorian brickwork, isn't it? Sort of a, and that's not can utility or something like that. It's a, 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 that kind of a blowout type thing at, at
1: the end. We, I mean, but there's a, there's a section before we get to the sort of brass, mm. um, yeah, brass. I mean, I would say that the last section is or the main brass section is a kind of post-rock influence. I was, I was quite influenced by Sigur Ross and Mogwai. I wanted mm-hmm. to, I like creating these sort of cycles yeah. of chords, and then you build and, but try and retain interest within a sort of fairly contained. Cycle. There's a section before that um, where we sort of where Dave's guitar solo comes in, which is a great guitar solo, and that's that's yeah, that's a quite heavily yeah, Genesis yeah. influenced moment, I would say. The bits of the song, early bits of the song, are just by like, yes, really. Mm-hmm. It's probably it, in places that one wears its um, influences yeah. on its sleeve, yeah. uh, but I don't care, I you know. Literally. It's it's a it's a new creation, um, and it you know it it's the spot for a, yeah. a lot of people. That one still gets
0: it's interesting you mentioned people like are not well I mean that's that sort a of post rock thing for me really is you know very progressive rock influence it it people never yeah. talk about Godspeed your black emperor as being a genesis or whatever no, no. you know people like yourself or RQ or you know whoever it that always saying all oh, that bit's Pink Floyd and that bit's yes and that bit. You know.
1: actually yeah it's a very it's a good point I think we, we're our own worst enemy in some respects um, you know we do uh, tend to a trap to fall into. I don't know. I, I've, I've given up caring about <laughs> it really, but um, you know, the influences we've had have always been very broad, and we brought the post rock thing in more probably from Gathering Speed days. I've um, uh, still got a bit of that in us, you know. I mm-hmm. still really like those those moments, um, and you've that pop element, as I said earlier, um, and the prog side of things, and you know, it's that. Melding of things together, mm-hmm. you know, the melting pot that creates something new um, and hopefully interesting. I don't think progressive rock needs to be, um, I think that's the trap that some people fall into. It has to be progressing all the time in mm-hmm. terms of always doing something different. Yeah. But for me, it's doing something transcendent, not different, it's yeah. doing something that's beautiful. Yeah. That's the important thing. I'm, I'm, you know, I think it's you can. I mean, the, with the history of Western music, it's very difficult to do stuff that's wholly new, um, and and if you often the reason it, it, it hasn't been done before is because it doesn't really work that mm. well. Um, so whilst it's good, ev- you know, everything starts from a set of influences, and whilst it's good to have something to, to move towards something new, which is what you do organically. I, that's not the, the main goal for me. The main goal mm. is just to create something that is beautiful yeah. and, and, and works as a song for people.
0: I mean, lyrically, those, those two songs together are intriguing. You've, you've said that they're about, you, about your father. Mm. Do, you, do you want to
1: expand on that? Or? No, my dad's... Uh, actually, there's a few songs about my dad's. Um, uh, there's a song on Interplay Windows called Boxgrove Man, and there's a song uh, on a different stream called Pick Up, if you're there. Mm. And I had um my, my parents got divorced when I was probably about 11 or 12. Mm. Um, brought up in Sutton Coalfield. Had a fantastic free-range childhood. I mean, really... You know, you know Sutton Park. Uh, yeah, you know yeah. that was my childhood. was spent on Sutton Park, um, but there were some dark times at home, and my parents got divorced, and, and my dad became what I describe as a th- in those days it was a typical Sunday morning relationship with mm. your dad. That's what you did. Yeah, he went off to live somewhere else. I saw him every Sunday morning, and I, re- I you know, the, the crazy thing is, you know, whilst I was very close to my dad when he lived at home. I even began to resent seeing him once a week because, you know, for me the world was about being in the woods with my friends and, you know, spending a couple of hours with my dad seemed very constraining. Um, so the relationship sort of slid downhill from from there really um, and as I got older, I went to university, etc., etc. et there et was more and more distance between us and, and within the last few years of his life we would really call each other, you know, maybe once every three or four years would be, would be it. And Master James was—I mean—I had that title for many, many years, but I didn't know what the song was going to be about. And then, for me, um, you know, Master James, as you probably know, is a castle builder of Edward I's mm-hmm. era. Um, and my dad used to build me castles. Um, yeah. right. He was—you know—he was a good woodworker, and he—you he, know—he used to build these rather fabulous castles. And I'd play with my little Airfix soldiers in them for hours on end. And so that seemed to me to be a good metaphor. As yeah. we got older, we were sort of building our own castles. Um, being around our hearts, really, and, and so that that's why the the shortness of the, the stanza is just you know, it says what I need mm. to say. Um, and Victorian brickwork um, I mean, dad died I think 2007 2008, I can't remember the year now, um, but there was that was, it was a hard time to try. I mean, it was brought up. I went to a couple of issues that happened there, I went to see. Uh, after his funeral I spoke to his partner for many many years and she said a couple of things that really hurt me at the time Mm -hmm. she said because as the last couple of days of his life he had emphysema so they sort of were aware that the end was coming and I remember she said to me um, she said to dad shall I call the boys Mm -hmm. Um, knowing that there were probably a couple of days left and he, he said to her they'll call if they want to um, and there was no way I was going to call him, you know, we hadn't spoken for two or three years yeah. and, and of course we would have been there if we'd have known. Um, so that was almost, initially I took that almost like a final rejection, yeah. but in reality there's, it's, it's all six of one and a half dozen yeah. the other, on the end they are an adult, yeah. you know, it's not all up to him to make those uh, overtures. Um, and so he, I, he, later on, I've looked at in a more nuanced way. I think perhaps he just wanted to be with you know mm-hmm. his long time partner, and, yeah. and you know, and that was probably how he wanted his end to be. But obviously, that got me thinking. And the other thing was, and the reason for the title was my rather crass mistake of um, I was given the opportunity to go and you know um, uh, see his body at the funeral parlour, mm-hmm. and I decided not to. Yeah. And then on the way up to the funeral. And um, decided that was a mistake. needs to see him one last time. And but it was in Sutton Coalfield the, mm. the funeral parlour. And yet I got lost finding the funeral home. And I ended up arriving after it after hours. It yeah. closed. Yeah. And so I was you know confronted with this brick. Yeah, this right. it was a Victorian like building, it. beautiful building actually. Um, this Victorian brick wall. And my dad was on the other side. Of it. And for me, and and that's yeah. one of the, yeah. the, the the problems of being a songwriter. Is I, I think yeah, a writer in any ilk, you tend to know, all of your life experiences, you mm. start to package away in yeah. the back of your head. Um, so that became the, the sort of title, really, was the gap between us. And there's a sort of um, coastal or ocean sort of theme for the song. Dad was a sort of navy, navy mm. chat for a few years, yeah. so that's that's where that comes from.
0: I mean, the end of it. I mean, it's the the, the brass. I mean, it just catches it. Mm. There's a there's a lovely kind of mournfulness about yeah. it. I think, um, and I think those two songs there's, there's a, an ambiguous kind of loss about obviously, the, the things that you talk about but maybe bigger than that, there's a kind of a, a loss of I don't know uh, there's a loss of England going on Yes, on kind of sometimes. yes,
1: yes there is, there are they are elegies really mm-hmm. um, you know, for past times, for past times as, as individuals and for sort of past times of in in, in life that I kind of used to know, you mm. know, and I've, I've gone through life with a degree of um, not sadness or regret, but, you know, I do have some regrets about my life, and I do miss, you know, as we get older, you do yeah, kind of think back yeah. and miss some of those those times that we had and wonder what you'd have done differently. Mm. So yeah, there is a, they did, they did I mean, that's, that was the beauty of the Brass Arrangement, it did capture that sadness, mm. I think, and um, yeah, that sort of energy, and they did so very wonderfully. Yeah. You know, it really does. And I've had that. That last three or four minutes has been. I've had so many emails from people about that. You know, uh, for over the years, and it's a really nice. It's quite a filmic piece of music yeah. as well, and people will tell me that they had to pull over and you know, they were looking out over at River or something yeah, and yeah. had to sort of stop the car to listen to it and uh, a few sort of, you know, quite moving messages about yeah. how it was meant to people as well. So it's been it's you know, from my point of view that's all you want as a yeah, songwriter yeah. is to find a set of chords and melodies that reach out to people mm-hmm. and that that bit seems to do so. I mean
0: it's in a good way, I must say. Yeah. It seems as though it will never end. Yeah. And it's as though yeah. if it does yeah. end then we'll lose something that we're gonna regret mm. letting go.
1: That's a beautiful thing to say, sure, thank you. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it does have that, uh, that it's almost incessant, it just keeps mm-hmm. going, doesn't yeah. it? And um, one, of the ni- one of the nice things is, I don't have much to do at the end of Victorian Brickwork, I'm just playing bass pedals, so you know, I can sort of sit back <laughs> and enjoy it, really. Um, and it's still, even now, I mean, I mean, we're going through the rehearsal phase, and you, you end up playing songs over and over again, because yeah. you know, my memory is not very good these days. And, Trying remember on my notes, and um, but even now you still it will still hit you. Mm-hmm. You know you'll still think actually that does sound pretty strong. So yeah, it's nice.
0: Yeah, last train. I've yeah. always thought that um, Crosby, Stills and Nash were very much neglected in their influence yeah, on yeah, yeah. on progressive music. I and mean, there's
1: a big yeah, uh, there's a big sort of nod to them in those albums. There? Yeah, I would say so. Um, your yeah, last train was. a uh, it's our first story song I would say you know we, uh, it was the first time I sort of really found a story out there like a folk tale almost yeah. and brought it in it was quite a woody type kind of tale and, and you know wanted it to be largely on acoustic guitars um, it's an important song for us. The first thing Dave Gregory played on us uh, right. that was a big betrayed song so that was when we sort of thought okay we found, found the guitarist that we need here um, but yeah it does smell a bit of wood smoke um, I you know, know. I, I like that kind of organic woody feel yeah. to it and uh, yeah, so it's a, it's one of our favourites, I think. Yeah.
0: That, that twelve-string sound, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, b- b- outrageously stolen from Genesis and Anthony Phillips. We were huge Anthony Phillips fans, yeah. particularly. Um, you know, so we, we and I think we actually we're quite good at it. You know, mm-hmm. we, we I've not studied it, but I'm are quite aware of what they do. And so that's it's a very
0: underused sound, isn't it? It not is. Isn't many it? People have done it in the last forty years. They
1: haven't. No, and that, the only thing is, it's slightly trademarked with the sort of Crosby, Stills, or Genesis yeah. approach. Um, so occasionally we will we'll, we'll not reach for it when mm. we might otherwise. Um, but no, we, we do that pretty well. Yeah. And, and um, I was keen that we we just sort of went with it on that song. Really. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. So. It's kind of a yearning for an old England about that song, and a time when everything <laughs> wasn't a million <laughs> miles an hour. It, it, it's
1: a very good way of putting it. It was. Uh, In fact, that's exactly mm. right. And um, I mean, it's um, it's set on a, a very sleepy. Um, now closed railway yeah. station in uh, in 1935, and it, it, th- that was how life was. And the guy, what reached me for the story was this Mr. Delia, who was quite a young chap. I was a friend of photographer, um, but he was the station master for the last sort of six or seven years mm-hmm. of that that um, that station's life. And um, he, you know, he, he was he lived there on his own, but it was a completely quiet existence in that Hampshire and Dorset border. Had his dog with him, and as as it says, he was um, happy if a little lonely at times. But life was slower, um, and in some respects, more I don't know, something about it was more precious. But um, one can fall into the nostalgia trap. You know, I'm not one that doesn't recognize that most of modern life is not rubbish, Um, you know, it's mostly much better. But there are some elements of life Mm. from the past. Maybe an honesty and integrity, whatever those things mean that, that I do miss yeah. and you know, do, do try to sort yeah. of reflect. Uh
0: Winchester Diver, there's a, I suppose the only way I can describe it is a, a very kind of analogue sound rather than a digital sound. And I think yeah. that's that kind of feel has come back a lot in recent years, obviously has, this growth yeah. in vinyl as well yeah. has, has made a difference. Yeah. There's, there's a, a richness to that sound, isn't there?
1: There is, yeah. It's um a lot to do with the skill of rock. Rob mm. um it's, diff- it's frustrating isn't it because you go back and listen to some music from the 80s and, and 90s and it, a lot of it is coloured by the production mm. techniques that just haven't really stood the test of yeah. time and the songs a lot of the songs are good but yeah. they are coloured by, by uh, attempts at doing something different that yeah. didn't really work and that's why many of us have gone back to more 70s some of us have gone back in terms of actually using old yeah. kit, old, old, old kit or old studios or recording techniques. Other of us are just really more. You know, we use modern uh, recording techniques and gear, but we are drawn to that warmth. Mm. Um, you know, and as you know, we've released a couple of albums, LPs, recently, and, and it's that warmth yeah. that people are. Yeah. You I mean, the dynamic range of a CD is unquestionably higher than an LP. But there is a degree of mm. analogue warmth that's coming yeah. over which people yeah. are, are harking back to. Yeah. I but yeah, I, I struggle. You know, you mm. put them on, and almost your memory of the songs is better than when yeah. you listen to them now. Yeah. 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 Because they, some of them are really suffering. Yeah. With what we were, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tony know. Banks
0: for really me is, is, you know, sort of right there. Same so yeah, no, yeah. way. So no. yeah. no. But you know, you yeah. listen to the stuff that he played in the 80s. Yes. It's, it's fantastic playing, but the keyboards that he's played it on.
1: It's extraordinary that, um, you know, technology advanced down those blind alleys, really. Mm. Um, and you're absolutely right. And it, it took, took them into areas that, I mean, he had a, Banks had a very limited range of keyboard sounds in the 70s, but mm. he deployed them with yeah. extraordinary precision and ability. Um, and they were just the, the default, you know, sounds, organ, yeah. melatron, um, you know, art, prosoist, etc. They were just brilliant sounds. And you know when when they were moving into that eighties, nineties technology stuff, you know they were they were going down over some brass parts and things yeah, were horrible, yeah, really, yeah. really horrible. Stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I'm like you, I, I can't uh, struggle. We sound like a pair of grumpy old men, yeah. are not we? Really, you know, we are not help <laughs> No, <laughs> it's better than the alternative. <laughs> yeah. <this is. laughs>
0: um, I mean, Winchester Dogs is such a dramatic song. I love the lyrics on that. I mean. Um, the water's edge is closer than you think and it's yeah. a
1: beautifully medicine kind of line yeah it's actually I would say uh, that's still my favourite set of lyrics that I've ever written um, I think I've got something on that, that I really. I, I knew what I was reaching for and 9 yeah. times out of 10 you know what you're reaching for and you don't achieve it and in that one I think it did um, I'm, we're, we're sitting probably 300 yards yeah. away from which yeah. the cathedral now um, and uh, it was a great story. It's a great local story. Yeah. Yeah. It's not very. I mean, in the in the Victor- Well, it was after the Victorian period, but in the period, the period, it was well known. You know, it was um, it was an, a nationally known mm. story, and it sort of um, slowly sort of sunk into to folk memory, I suppose. So I've always loved the story, and I always wanted to do something with it. And the, just the just that, those two words, Winchester just diver. There's something about yeah. it Andy Tillerson from the Tangent had the same idea a few years ago. Thankfully, I got there first. Um, <laughs> You know, got to the song before he did and uh, yeah I, I was writing what struck me most of all was that life in the cathedral carried on with although the building was really in danger of collapse or one end of it was um, they carried on with the church services and he, was, William Walker was working in just appalling conditions mm. in that very sort of stoic way that they did yeah, back then yeah. sort of you know, up to 20 feet underground in pitch blackness and you know, some of when you read about it, you know he'd come up um, for his break and he'd leave his diving gear on. But you know, a couple of, there were a couple of references, just slightly haunted look in his eyes. And and for some reason, that song isn't about the Yugoslavian conflict. But it was it, there was that was in my mind as well at the mm-hmm. time. I was thinking, you know, we're all in a we're in a very civilized state. But you know that the kind of we're almost always on the edge, really. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. society's civilized society seems to. To have a hold on us, but it can very quickly yeah, as a tipping it's a thin point. Veneer, isn't it? it is a thin veneer, and um, uh, that, that that metaphor for me was quite a strong one. So you know, the water edge is close to the new thing. I was just yeah. thinking, you know, you can move very quickly from a very settled, stable society or what seems to be into some degree of chaos, and you know, those mm-hmm. lower parts of hell as it was described, and. Uh, I thought that was gripping. Yeah. A gripping story, really. To go yeah. a bit deeper, and as I say, I think I kind of more or less nailed it. I don't. I rarely do that, so yeah. I still like that actually, tune very much. Yeah,
0: that juxtaposition is the ideal, you know. For, I guess for for a writer, the the hell below, and mm. then there's the you know the religious. It building, couldn't be it more. You. I mean, that's it couldn't
1: be more. It couldn't be more perfect, could yeah. it? Really, you yeah. know, you've got that the uh, in one place at one moment in time, and. Uh, I was, I didn't want it just to be the story, you know, I wanted it to try and explore slightly deeper thoughts as well, mm-hmm. and just about, yeah, I Yeah.
0: to get there. Yeah, Doing the itself, I mean, that's a monumental
1: thing. It was my first time that I'd written a, a 20-odd minute piece. Mm-hmm. Um, it did start off as a shorter piece, in fact, the song ended originally probably just ahead of the sort of 12 stone section mm-hmm. in the middle, sort of vocal section in the middle, and then I just we recorded the drums for it and we were kind of getting it ready and then I thought no, there's more of this story here to tell mm. um, so I moved it into some different areas and then brought it to this sort of conclusion at the end so it was an interesting challenge um, Yeah, I'm not I, I, I'm for me longer pieces should be the exception mm. um, I'm not they are difficult to do yeah. They're difficult to pull off um, and I think they should stand out as well. and the Danums, I'm actually not criticising other bands that do a lot of longer pieces, but um, uh, I, I like them to be things that, mm. that you know are, are seem to be slightly more monumental in size, yeah. rather than being something that we do all the time. Um, but yeah, I think we yeah, I think we kind of pulled that one off, mm. and we're doing, again we're we're going to be playing that one, and we're, we're it's been nice to go back to it, and you know one or two of the edges where maybe transitions were not perfect or, or could have been better you know, we're we're looking back at those sections mm. and, and making them you know, hopefully the sort of slightly updated version will be, you know, further along yeah. still. When well, you get to something that that
0: you've decided now, this is gonna be around twenty minutes long. Mm. obviously C D makes that easier than vinyl. Yeah. Used to do that must give you an opportunity to, to stretch out. It does, yeah, it to. does,
1: yeah. You, you, you're not you're, you're, you're worried less about um, wasting time, almost, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So you, you're then you're, you're confident to say actually, I mean, we're just going to let this section run a little bit and see where it ends up. You know, there's a couple of instrumental sections on there that you know fairly loosely loosely played, um, you know, almost um, jam like. Um, you know, we were uh, we just said you know certainly for Nick, just here's a th- repetitive theme, just go and fly on there. Um, and in fact, in the live version, I think some of the parts will be um, for the keyboard solo because Gem, Gem won't be playing with us. In mm-hmm. fact, Gem doesn't even own that keyboard anymore. Right. I think it was a V Synth, so you couldn't be recreated that solo. Um, so the solo that we'll do live will be will be Danny just doing doing what he right. does. Um, but he's keen to kind of keep it loose. Actually, you mm-hmm. know, he's got a jazz background and. You know, what my kind of more, more scored background is, yeah. you know, kind of hear what you're going to be playing there, and he's more sort of actually, no, I'm going to just let myself <laughs> run on this. Um, which is good, it's interesting, yeah. it keeps things loose. But yeah, you are, yeah, you stretch out, you know, yeah. you, it gives you wings. a
0: great playing on that, I'll just right the way through.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah, a lot of the musicians, are, for me, they shine on that. Mm. It's a, you know, a nice, uh, it's a platform for them to yeah. play. You know, it's a, yeah, it's a good
0: platform. Again, there's, there's not always that opportunity for that kind of. I mean, you know, it did. It's a fine line between stretching out and becoming self indulgent. Yeah, yeah, totally. But I mean, I I think having that opportunity, it's it's a yeah, it is it's yeah. a great platform for some some great. It players. is. It's,
1: it's interesting. Um, I mean, so Dave Greg is interesting because he was in a band for much of his life, XTC, where he wasn't given that mm. that platform because it was very tightly. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know, I mean, I City is one of my favourite bands ever, but 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 it was a you know everything was down to you know let's make everything work for the song yeah. and you know it's a beginning, a middle, and end, and that's it. We know we're not going to be stretching out. They began to stretch out a bit towards the end, but um, he was fairly constrained. Yeah. Um, and again, Andy Partridge was, didn't allow any blues notes. So if you're as a guitar player, you know it's like removing your middle finger almost. <laughs> um, and so that was interesting for us when we brought Dave into the band. Was you know it opened up. Kind of a bit more longer stretches for him to play yeah. out on them, but and um, some of my favourite playing that he's ever done for us was at the end of the Underful Four Yard. He mm. sort of plays some bluesy licks really around Dave's David's voice, and and I still, that still that for me is the sort of spine tingling yeah. moment. Yeah. Where, you know, you just allow a guitarist just to play over you know two or three minute stretch what he mm. wants to play. Uh,
0: that is the the strength of those you know <coughs> those epic pieces. I mean. It kind of rewards patience, doesn't it? You know, you get to that it kind does, of crescendo yeah, at the end, does. and then it stands so much more because
1: of. Yeah. yeah, and don't you think whatever in life you're doing or listening to or reading or whatever, you're always the question that is unasked is what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. And I, I was fine with a before I put a long piece on to listen to. Say, you know, if, if there's if there isn't that moment of transcendence yeah. that that you're working towards, I question whether it's worth my 20 minutes yeah, of time right. um, especially as time gets more precious as you get older so yeah it's important for me um, to make sure that you know, the longer pieces that we do such as East Coast Race or Wonderful Yard have got those moments mm-hmm. where people can feel yeah that was a trip that I yeah, wanted to go yeah. on you know, and um, well worth me doing yeah. assuming,
0: so. I mean the lyrical things I find really interesting there's a, there's a big sense of the, the great achievements like mm. this building Yeah, being lost not yes. like the buildings falling, but people. Yes, yes. Ignore it. I, kind of despair that general knowledge is disappearing. Yeah, I with I've got you. kids at school, yeah. and, uh, and they t- they know what they're taught. Yeah, but they don't pick up anything accidentally uh, or any no,
1: it's uh, That was a, That was one of the big themes for me behind it. Um, I mean, I wanted to write something about the Victorian. Engineers, and then when you read about them, you read about the mindset, and yeah. it's one of a, a very much an enlightenment sort of upbringing, yeah. very much the sort of scientific method, and a very curious minds, I would say. Um, and you know, these are high-flying people, and I find maybe as maybe as society has become more comfortable, I don't know, but some of the great achievements of Western civilization are almost neglected, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was the sense that I was trying to convey. That slight worry that we're moving from the sort of age of reason into an age of unreason really you know too many people not thinking enough um, not caring enough yeah. and, and you know believing twaddle because they want to rather than you know having some time to think things yeah. through and reach proper conclusions about things so yeah there was a you know that was a sort of deeper sub meaning there you know again it, it could have been just a story song Um, But it's always nice to sort of sneak in some of those thoughts and messages as well.
0: Because there doesn't seem to be much available light anymore, does there? No, no,
1: (laughs) no. We're crowded by other things, I think. That's a nice way of putting it, really. I I had a great sadness the other day for me, when my children are 19 and and 17 now, and it dawned on me that neither of them are reading anymore. Mm. And they both were brought up as avid readers. I'm just talking about fiction. They both will read. my daughter's going to university next uh, in September and she's already reading course books for that but they've both been distracted by the technological um, routes into yeah. entertainment and yeah. um, they stopped reading novels and, and um, I, you know I've conveyed my, uh, an air of dis- <laughs> fatherly disapproval to them which you know, yeah. you know just, yeah, that's <laughs> and I hope they come back to reading but I think you're right I think that's the thing I think we're, we're, there isn't much available life yeah. anymore and I think we're, we're we, we've lost some things.
0: Yeah. I understand, and this is a far more trivial um, sort of thing, but I mean, when I grew up, it's the same with we, there were three TV channels. Mm. And I ended up watching stuff that I would never have watched because yes. my mum and dad were watching it. Yes, absolutely. And you know, then i would become fascinated by Claudius mm-hmm. yes. or by Laurel Nardi. Yes. Whatever yes. yes. You, you don't come across things by accident. Uh, no, we've, we're, really?
1: we've, we're fractured now. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right, that brought people together. and you know, I, I remember sitting there with my brother, who was five years older than me, you would be watching some at the time. As a young person, I'd be thinking, well, you know, what is he on about? Yeah. And uh, but you get drawn in, yeah. um, you know, and you find those interesting links and ideas, and, and uh, yeah, a lot of that. We are, uh, you know, the, the, our attention span is diminished mm. to you know Twitter lengths yes. really. And um, yeah. you know, I, I, Twitter's great. Yeah. I love Twitter, and it. what well, I, I use it as a kind of a route into the internet to find different things yeah, which I yeah. then go and read more at length for example um, but sadly unfortunately you know the, the, the attention span we are, we are being crammed in really yeah. it's a big social experiment yeah. but then all of life has been a big social yeah. experiment you know the industrial revolution was a big social experiment yeah. um, which had pros and cons and uh, you know we may well end up in a very happy place with this but yeah. you know there are Clearly, dangers along the way. The kind of Blairite vision, I suppose, was was a very you know, um, modern life is great and everything yeah. else is rubbish. Yeah. Don't don't throw out the baby with bathwater, yeah. for me. You know, we all want progress, but you've got to also value how you got there mm. and, and what brought you there, and have a bit of respect for that. Yeah, I think.
0: yeah. It rains on England is a is a very powerful line. Just the imagery, really. I mean, I, 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 I
1: that was some of the imagery in there was just me. In an observational way, I was down in Cornwall, surrounded by these sort of old engine houses, yeah, um, yeah. which are incredible. I'm sure you've seen them; they're yeah, incredible. Yeah. A bit like Leambridge, sort of reading, receding back into yeah, the, the, yeah. the sort of countryside, and you know there was just an Atlantic storm coming in. So mm-hmm. some of it was, but obviously the you know the the, the imagery is clear. What yeah. I'm trying to reach for there, so it has that double meaning. Um, but yeah, so much of the imagery in Underfoot is purely observed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and one allows the Listener, hopefully, to reach the conclusion that I'm trying to lead them yeah. to without being absolutely explicit about that. I mean, I've tried to resist, I don't like being ranted at in songs. Mm-hmm. Some of what Roger Waters does is brilliant, some of what he does is ranty for me. Um, I don't like that. I like people to be able to to find something from it um, themselves if mm-hmm. they can, which yeah. means, the which is not say, I'm not trying to say there's no meaning there, the meaning is there. Yeah. But you know, I don't want it to be necessarily so explicit. Yeah, that you know, You're yeah. being someone's ranting. Yeah.
0: The way it closes with the, with the brass band. I mean, it's hugely effective, and and it's a very underused form. When you think of brass band,
1: and you think of yeah, well, everything Well, everybody thinks for me of Umpa, yeah, You know, yeah. and, and that was um, I've told the story before, but it was, it was I was in Bath when I heard this brass, and I've been wa- very aware of. I mean, I love the film Brass Off. It's a brilliant yeah, film. Yeah. Um, and I've been very aware of the the way. When a brass band is playing, particularly adagio style music, it is one of the most haunting sounds that you can ever imagine. Um, Peter Gable did it beautifully mm-hmm. on "Father Um and I, you know, I was, I was, it was a beautiful summer's day in Bath, and there was a brass band. It couldn't have been more in quintessential English. Seeing there were literally men with hankies on their heads sat in deck chairs, you know, um, but they started playing a couple of the um, of sort of slower adagio style numbers, and it was profoundly mm. moving. Yeah and I rang Andy up immediately from the spot, there's this, this. Yeah. we need to get this on. He's, he's, he's quite practical Andy, he's like, whoa, 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 anyway. you know, we can't get 48 bass players in or something. So uh, you know, we, we were very v- incredibly lucky really because um, Rob, our studio engineer, you a chap with Dave Desmond mm. um, who played in the Coldstream Guards and Dave not only is a very good trombonist, he knows superb players and he's a very gifted arranger. Yeah. So I was really able to say, I'm trying to bring in the sound of the sort of colliery bands yeah. into a sort of progressive rock environment. And he knew exactly what I was after. And, you know, I, it depends on the song, but in some places we'd have, I'd have laid out some some melodies and he would develop those and take those. But for the most part, it's mostly his work, really. Mm. Um, and, yeah, the ending of Under was important for me because... You know, we had that chord sequence from earlier um, with voc- many vocal arrangement. I really wanted to get back to that at the end um, because you know that that for me was a nice a nice way of bringing things to a, a conclusion. And thankfully, with David and Dave playing on there as well, it, and the brass behind it, it's yeah. a, it, it, it's a it's a very elegant way yeah. of yeah. closing yeah. the song.
0: Yeah. Just the last one, that the, yeah. the twelve stones that recurs from. Mm. Last train, is there any particular?
1: Mm -hmm. No, just a. No, and I've I've, 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 had a message about this the other day. I've had had so many. um, It's one of my regrets actually that Twelve Stones is purely an image. Mm -hmm. There's no great meaning there. There was a book a couple of years ago called Planet in a Pebble, and it was talking about how you can, geological forms, you can pick up much of the geological history of the planet just from a pebble. Mm -hmm. Um, That was published actually after the song. But I, I was. I was doing a bit of reading. I became aware of um, plate tectonics and um, the fact that some of the rocks in, on, you know, on this side of the Atlantic are the same as on the sort of Canadian-American right. side of the Atlantic, and the sort of forces that pulled those apart. So I, I, you know, I just had this image in my in my head of twelve stones that were, or stones that were the same, three thousand miles apart, but of the same essence, really. really? And it was purely an image, and that, then because I like the sound of the words, and that's the thing with songwriting, sometimes you have to go with the sound of the words as you know, mm. to whether they work in yeah, the, yeah. the song I mean the, the, the best example of that's John Anderson where there's often not much meaning <laughs> you know, at all well. <laughs> um, but the sound the, the the words are chosen well yeah, to convey yeah. something that, that almost feels you know like it's like it's elevated beyond beyond the norm and uh, so yes I, I, I those those words crept into other songs and um, and as I say I, I've been asked so many times you know in recent years and mm. I, I wished I'd have <laughs> if I'd have known that it would have created interest, I would have I would have probably chosen a different yeah. selection of words yeah. that had some meaning, but I'm going to put my cards on the table and say, no, it's just an image.
0: <laughs> Poppies from a Tray will be back in a fortnight with the second part of this interview with Greg, covering both versions of the Far Skies Deep Time EP that followed hard on the heels of the Underfall Yard. You can subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes, and you can follow on Twitter, at From Tray, so you can find out as soon as it's available. Written and produced by Dave Bowler, Intro music by Sam Saltzman and big band from Live at the Spotted Dog, courtesy of Stony Lane Records. Copyright: Museum, 2019.